It's Thursday, December the 10th, 2015, and this is the One More Verse podcast. Hey everybody, my name is John Nix, and on behalf of Vertical Purpose Ministries, I want to welcome you to the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you join me today as I discuss 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 25. They must have said, let's just put it in the past. Let's leave it behind and we'll just, we'll make a fresh start. I can't imagine what kind of thoughts were going on in David's head having committed such a heinous act of sin, having taken a man's wife and then having taken his life. How could this have been? And so uh, as this whole ugly incident uh, seemingly came to a close, David has taken Bathsheba to his house. She has become his wife. But although it seems like things may be getting to whatever the new normal may be, God has not forgotten, and God will judge sin. He dispatches the prophet Nathan and sends him to David. Now, every time God told David something of major consequence, it was usually through a prophetic word. So Nathan comes to him, and uh, as he gains an audience with the king, he begins to tell David a parable, a, a story, but this story is going to convey a message that far exceeds the details that are contained just within the story. He begins to describe this poor man. This poor man had nothing in the world but a small little ewe lamb. He had bought it. He had brought it up. He grew it. It was, it was part of their family. The children would play with it. It used to eat and drink at their table. It used to just lay in his lap and in his arms, and it was almost like a child. And then as Nathan begins to weave this story together, you can imagine all the things that are being set up. We've got a rich man who has many flocks and herds. You've got a poor man. And David knows this story is headed somewhere. He's thinking about this poor man and this rich man. And perhaps he wants to jump to the conclusion that, well, even though he may be poor, he has some good things. He has some things to enjoy. But that's not where Nathan is headed at all. As a matter of fact, he, he continues and he said a traveler came to the rich man and although he had plenty in his own flock and herd to prepare for the guest who had come, instead he went and he took the poor man's lamb and he slaughtered it and he prepared it for the man who had come. David's anger began to just boil and it was kindled against this man. He's not understanding clearly that this is merely a parable. And so he makes the statement to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. You can just imagine David's righteous indignation as it rises. This king who doesn't want to think of some sort of injustice done inside of his kingdom, this king who is not tracking along with this story. And so it must have been absolutely devastating when Nathan fixes his eyes upon David and says to him, you are that man. He rushes right in and explains that the Lord, the God of Israel, had made him king and he had delivered him from Saul. He had given him his master's house, his master's wives. He had given him the house of Israel, the house of Judah. He had blessed him with all these things. And he even says that he would have added so much more. 
But David despised, the Bible says, the word of the Lord, and he did what was evil in his sight. When Nathan begins to list the sin, he tells him, you struck down Uriah the Hittite. He he didn't say just because he died in battle, you orchestrated it, and so it rests on you. You stole his wife. It's unbelievable to think what you've done. And so he begins to pronounce judgment that the sword is never going to leave his house. The Lord says that he's going to raise up evil from his own house. He's going to take his wives and before everyone's eyes in public, he's going to give them to a neighbor and he's going to lie with them in sight of everyone. What you did in secret, I'm going to do before all Israel. Now, David responds immediately a heart that is quick to rush to this and he recognizes what he has done and he proclaims, I've sinned against the Lord. Notice, different from Saul, he's not asking Nathan to make atonement for him, but he is in repentance recognizing that he has sinned against the one who's loved him, against the one who's pursued him, against the one who brought him from the pasture to the palace, the one who has sustained him and given him peace and everything that he could have possibly wanted. And David has sinned against the Lord. It must have been somewhat comforting to know that he wasn't going to die. See, the law prescribed that if you committed adultery, you were to die. And so the fact that the Lord had put away his sin and uh, told him that he would not die must have brought some comfort, but it's followed by, because you have done this, this child who is born to you is going to die. And the Bible says that Nathan departs. Imagine the embarrassment. Imagine the thoughts that are going through his head as he hears Nathan recount this thing that he wanted to put behind them, this thing that he just wanted to forget, even in this new marriage and this child on the way, all of these things he wants to just kind of move forward. And yet all is just drug out, all the skeletons dragged right out of the closet in front of him. How embarrassing to have your prophet come and confront you in your sin. How difficult it must have been to have to cope with that. And so God, who always does what he says he's going to do, afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David. Notice that every time in the scripture it's listed, it's Uriah's wife. It's not called, she's not called Bathsheba. She's not called David's wife. She's called Uriah's wife. And the child becomes sick. So David does the only thing that David knows how to do, and he goes and he seeks God on behalf of the child. He's fasting and he's laying on the ground all night long. Perhaps the Lord will relent and not do this thing. And the elders of his house and his attendants stood beside him, and they and they wanted to get him up, but he wouldn't get up and he wouldn't eat. And so on the seventh day, the Bible says that the child died. And the servants are afraid to tell David if he has been in such grief, if he has behaved in such a way while the child was sick, then how will he behave now that the child is dead? But David recognizes what's going on. And so when he could see that they were whispering together, when he could see that they had gathered about, he knew what had happened. And he just asks his servants point blank, is the child dead? They said he is. And and then they were absolutely astounded to see David get up to go and wash and anoint himself and change his clothes. He goes into the house of the Lord and worships. 
Then he goes to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate, and all the servants are looking at each other. They're trying to understand what is going on. How could you be in such grief and pain and then quickly move, and now you're worshiping and eating? David knew some things, and his heart had borne these things out to him. Yes, he had sinned. He had repented of that sin. The Lord had delivered him from that sin, but the consequences were there. And so his servants want to know, what are you doing? He said, well, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept and I thought, who knows, perhaps the Lord will relent and be gracious to me and the child may live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? I can't bring him back. But he has this little word for us and it was such an encouragement. I will go to him even though he will not return to me. The Bible then tells us that David tries to comfort his wife. How do you comfort a woman who's lost her child? So young, so difficult. And the Lord uses this union and they have another son and his name is Solomon. The Bible tells us that the Lord loves him. And so he sends Nathan back with another message. And this message tells him that this child is loved. He said, call him Jedidiah because the Lord absolutely loves him. In this, we are reminded about some things about sin. It's costly. And when we sin, it, it is never just only us that's harmed. We harm our relationship with the Lord. We harm our relationship with others. It's a difficult thing when we fall into sin. It's so easy to want to just put it immediately behind us and avoid all consequences. But sometimes that may give us this false idea that we can just sin and there'll be no recourse whatsoever. And so in this story, we see that David learns some things about himself. He learns some things about the Lord. The servants learn some things about how David responds in adversity. And although they are confused, David gives them instructions about God's character. He sought the Lord, even though the Lord had said what he was going to do, he knew the Lord to be gracious. He had experienced that grace and he prayed it. And although things did not work out the way that he had hoped, he does give us this incredible statement that he is going to go to this child and he comforted his wife, and now there's a son who will continue on the throne. Let us not just rush over this, and let us not forget all the other things that have happened, but let us no, make no mistake that when it comes to sin, it is devastating. It always takes you farther than you want to go, leaves you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. Every man likes to think himself above sin, but the truth is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and no man can know it. And even the king, after God's own heart, sinned against God. But in repentance, God brought something from this union that came about through sinful circumstances and still blessed a child named Solomon, who would play an important role in God's plan of redemption. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, visit johnnicks.org. I would love to hear from you, so find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram using the handle TheJohnNix. And don't forget to download the Vertical Purpose app for additional resources. Thanks again, and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.